Great to see so many returning names and faces. Great to have you with us. If you're new to these Next Practice weekly calls, we are I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity. We're a human capital research firm. We discover the people practices that drive high performance in organizations. We do that through our research primarily. We look at all HR practices in every subdomain. We try and tease out what high-performing organizations are truly doing differently than low performers. Along the way, we find a lot of best practices that organizations are following, but we really like to highlight what we call next practices. Those are practices that high-performance organizations do more than low performers, um, but that aren't done very often overall uh, yet. Uh, And we like to pull those out, share those with our member organizations of which you see a small snapshot here. Um, We're a member-driven organization. If you're with a member company today, uh, special welcome to you. Great to have you with us. If you're not a member organization, uh, but would like to learn more, just reach out to me or anyone else at I4CP and we'd be happy to put you in touch with the right colleagues and and get you that information. You see here just a small sampling of logos of some of I4CP's uh, membership community. It ranges from very large companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Accenture, and others, um, to much smaller organizations, and also across all market verticals from healthcare to high-tech, banking, manufacturing, retail, you name it. Um, so again, uh, reach out to us, uh, learn more about membership uh, if your organization isn't part of the community. My name is Tom Stone. I'm a senior research analyst here at, at I4CP, and This week, I'm joined by my colleague, Marshall Bergman, Vice President of Advisory Services. Good morning, Marshall. Can you come off mute and say hello? Hello, everyone. Tom, thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, good to have you with us. You'll be driving the uh, conversation with our special guests, who we'll introduce in just a moment. But a few other preliminaries first. Um, As I said, this is Next Practices Weekly. We gather every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Um, We have great guests. We share some of our research some weeks. You see the lineup coming up for the next three uh, for the rest of February, including Leap Day there at the end of the month. Um, The next three speakers will all be uh, also speakers at our conference, Next Practices Now, uh, which occurs at the end of March in lovely Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, You see, we've got the former chief HR officer at IBM and a couple of great thought leaders, uh, book authors, and so on coming up as well. We also do a couple of calls uh, for our uh, friends in the APAC region and Europe, Middle East, Africa region that are held on different dates and different times. We don't do these weekly, but every other month we hold sessions at at times that are more appropriate for those time zones. Um, So would love to, if you have either yourself or more like maybe some of your colleagues that work in those regions. Uh, If they would like to join calls similar to these Thursday Next Practice weekly calls, uh, we've got great guests on those as well, great panels. We discuss many of the same uh, key HR topics. You see the QR codes and the links there uh, to register for each of those. So please, please share those with your global colleagues. Uh, We'd love to have them join those sessions. Advisory services is something that's fairly new here at I4CP in in a formal way. Um, And we have a new offering here that, Marshall, I'd like you to speak to for a minute or two, if you could. Yeah, thanks, Tom. So um, one of the things that uh, we always find with organizations, especially in HR organizations, when they're trying to start a new initiative, um, it's always really helpful to get people on the same page with the same baseline of research, as well as the same sort of common language to talk about that initiative. And one of the um, highlights of our, uh, our, pr- our priorities and predictions report this year was that organizations really need to get uh, serious about measuring culture and culture scorecards. 
so my advisory team and I have put together a nice briefing. We call it an insight session. Uh, it can be either half an hour, an hour. It's free to both members and non-members. And really the purpose of it is to get you all on the same page about what does culture measurement look like? What are best practices? What does the research say? And how can you get started? So if you're interested in a briefing like this, want to get to know us a little bit more and get to know a little bit of the research and a little bit more detail, um, you can just reach out to us. There'll be a link we're going to share and email as well. And you can contact us and we'll schedule that briefing for you. Great. Thanks, Marshall. Um, the, the link to that Zeta has already put in the chat. And like you said, I want to emphasize this isn't just a member only offering. This is available to non-member organizations as well. So we'd encourage no matter what, who your organization that you're with, um, check this out if it sounded of interest. All right. Very good. Well, with that, uh, I'm going to again turn it over to you, Marshall, because I think that's all the announcements we had for today. Uh, and I ask that you introduce our special guests and kick off this great conversation. All right. Thanks so much, Tom. I really appreciate the introductions and I'm really looking forward to the conversation with Lori and Janie today. Uh, before we get started with the, the details of your culture work, love to let you share a little bit with our audience about who you are, your roles in the organization, etc. Uh, then maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, PAX8, what the business is all about, and then talk a little bit about uh, what the HR organization, how it's structured. But first, let me just go to Lori. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role? Sure. Thanks a lot. Um, Lori Frazier, I am the Chief People Officer here in the Americas for PAX8. Um, and, uh, you know, I have many, many years experience on the HR and the business uh, strategy side. Um, came to PAX8 about a year and a half ago. Um, and um, it's been a, an incredibly positive journey uh, since I've been here. So I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about that. Fantastic. And how about you, Janie? Why don't you give us a little background? Yes, thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited. I'm uh, based here in Denver, Colorado, and I'm the Strategic Initiative Manager. Um, and I've been with PAX8 for over eight years now. I'm really excited um, to be working underneath Lori and uh, learning from her talent and experience. Um, and I have a background in leadership, employee experience, uh, learning and development, project management, team operations and excellence, and then a lot of strategic acumen. So um, I really help with a wide range of projects, um, both globally and cross-functionally. And one of those um, that we'll be talking about today is the employee listening strategy that I helped project manage last year. Wonderful. Well, yeah, it's going to be really great. And, you, you know, PAX 8 has been doing some amazing work on culture, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. But one of the cool things about my job is I get to learn about companies I didn't even know existed. So, Lori, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what PAX 8 does. Uh, you know, what's the business like? How's it been growing? Yeah, I'd like to say to people, you may not have heard of PAX 8 yet. Um, <laughs> PAX 8 is a billion dollar startup. We literally hit unicorn status about 14 months ago at the end of 2022. And we are on a path to be the world's largest cloud commerce marketplace. So what does that mean? Really what that means is we have created a democratized access to the big boy cloud providers, such as Salesforce, Microsoft, Amazon Web Services, to small and mid-sized business. Um, and we do that through a really easy to access and highly tailored and uh, bespoke cloud commerce marketplace that allows our, our partners to find the very best solutions and bundles of solutions for their end user small business clients. Um, 
We are, we were 400. You can see on this slide, I like to tell this story a lot. Um, you know, I said we're a, a billion dollar startup. We um, have grown in 2020 when the world changed in March of 2020, the company was just under 400 employees. We're at about 1800 today. Um, and so just a lot of really fast growth, not just in the number of employees, but in the, the makeup of the company. So we were also all Americas and frankly, mostly Denver based um, in 2020. And now we are a global organization um, across uh, many different countries. And um, as you can see, you know, have grown pretty exponentially um, in terms of our partner portfolio as well. So just thinking about the uh, the global reach that we have um, in terms of employees, um, our, the bulk of our employees are still here in the Americas, um, at, you know, which today is U.S. and Canada, but we have big dreams to go beyond that. Um, about 400 folks over in EMEA and then 164 and growing fast, literally doubled its size in 2023, and we'll come close to doing that again in 2024. Wow. Let, that's obviously impressive growth. Um, now, I guess probably you know everyone on the on the uh, on the conference here is probably thinking to themselves, "Well, how have you scaled your HR team? How have you structured your HR team to support that kind of growth?" So, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we, um, I would say, when I got here a year and a half ago, we had just started to really think about what is global pops really, and, and we call ourselves pops people operations. Um, what does global pops even mean? And at that point, we were still operating, I would say, very in a pretty siloed fashion across the, the regions. Um, and um, so we have really been working hard over the last year or so on um, figuring out how do we really lever a, a sort of a global strategy, local ex execution kind of a model, um, still having very, very strategic teams at the region level to partner with those businesses uh, those regions on their, you know, tailored needs. Um, but what we have done is establish some global COEs that are headquartered here in the States, but um, have folks um, that they partner with in all the regions. So those global COEs are talent development. So all of our, our training, our career development, um, you know, we have some global strategy and frameworks that can be used across the globe. Um, same on total rewards. We're really um, building up our uh, philosophy and strategy around total rewards. And again, strategy and frameworks from the states, but obviously got to deploy those local needs um, uh, and structures at the at the region level. Um, and same with social impact. So we have a, a really uh, strong commitment here to DEIB and um, community involvement. And um, while again, we have the um, a global uh, group that works on what is our company-wide strategy, obviously a lot of that stuff has to happen on the ground in the in the regions. The true regional COEs that you know each region stands up themselves are our human resources business partner, uh, which live under the employee experience banner, and then our talent acquisitions team. Clearly, recruiting and hiring needs to be very tailored to the the region or country specific. Awesome. We also so, we'll count on. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to. So, um, continue with your thought. I'll just ask a follow up after that. No, the and then you see the foundational um, across the bottom. So again, um, don't consider these standalone COEs, but um, these are really embedded into everything that we do. So, 
um, you know, people systems, um, analytics, and then compliance. Got it. Yeah. So um, sounds like you've got that sort of centralized uh, centers of excellence then um, being implemented with sort of local flavor on the ground in the various areas. Um, was there a debate internally in the organization about whether that was the right strategy? Do you ever even consider sort of more of a centralized process or was it pretty, you're pretty sure this was the best practice is how you were going to do it? Pax8 really has a close to the customer philosophy and, you know, POPs should model that. Um, and so, you know, the same kind of structure exists, for instance, in our corporate marketing function, right? So corporate marketing, of course, owns the, the core Pax8 brand um, and provides frameworks and templates and resources. But a lot of that, um, you know, that on the ground deployment in terms of messaging has to be regionalized. One of the interesting things about PAX-8 is we're actually 12 years old. So the, the American roots to our company was 12 years ago, but you know both of our regions have, have grown up just since 2020. Mm. Uh, and so we're at different phases in our life cycle, right? So, so you know, EMEA and APAC are still truly more like startup mode, right? And the way you need to build your market presence is very, very different. And so we're the same way in POPs, right? That the needs of a more mature audience here in the States is very different um, from the needs of a growing, um, you know, a, a growing organization that is hiring really, really fast, that is onboarding really fast and trying to, you know, really drive that, that common culture. So we're just, we're just in different phases. And so the regional, again, the, the central strategy, regional deployment really makes a lot of sense for us. I'd like yeah. to just jump in here and, and remind folks that they can use the chat to ask any questions of our guests today. And we've already got one question um, from Natalie, who's already uh, internalized the, the POP acronym. She says, how many people make up the team and how did you decide on the correct POP to employee ratio? Um, you know, that's really an interesting question. Today, we have a we have a good sized team for the size of Pax8. I want to say it's around 80 folks globally. Um, and, uh, you know, and so it is a good size team. To be honest, we didn't decide on a ratio. Um, this has all grown up pretty organically. Um, one of the things that we have challenged ourselves with in the People Ops organization is we want to maintain the size we are today in POPs and be able to support a business that's three or four times this size, five, 6,000 employees. Mm. Wow. All right. So we covered a lot of ground there. A couple of things I just want to highlight that really struck me. Um, first of all, the point you mentioned about um, Pax8 being a company that's always been focused on being close to the customer. I love that you took that sort of cultural value, right? And then applied it internally to HR. We're going to be close to our customers, right? So I think that just shows the strength of the culture that's already being that sort of uh, North Star for how you're not only going to behave externally, but internally as well. So I thought that was really great. Number two, I think that's really interesting. You're talking about um, trying to figure out how to grow and scale your existing organization uh, as you go into that next stage of growth, right? I think, you know, we hear a lot about unicorns these days, and it's always about like revenue growth, revenue growth, revenue growth. But it sounds like you may be at a bit of an inflection point where it's going to be a little bit more about profitability, a little bit more about healthy revenue growth. So, you know, being part of that mission as an HR team sounds like, uh, sounds like that's part of your strategy as well. Is that true? Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know we we just kicked off our uh, our year here, like everybody did, um, with a strategic business review with all of our executive staff, like the top eighty folks in the company, 
couple of weeks ago. And, and the, the, you know, one of the key messages was, um, you know, we really need to accelerate our path to profitability. It's all well and good to continue to grow that top line. Um, but, you know, we really need to figure out um, how to how to scale. Right. I've been saying since I walked in the door, we got to move from startup to scale up to grown up. Right. Mm-hmm. Grown up companies don't just continue to throw people at every opportunity. Right. Grown up companies really figure out that scale. Um, and so, again, we want POPs to really be a model in the organization for what that can look like. Um, and one of the things that we were saying and, and that I've been saying for a while is, folks, we're not asking you to do more with less. We're asking you to do more with the abundance we already have here at PAX 8. Um, and that's really the message both in, inside the people operations group as well as across PAX 8. Awesome. Well, I know people are really excited to learn a little bit more about the culture and the listening strategies that you've been doing as well. So um, why don't we talk a little bit about kind of like where you've been um, and, you know, where where you've been. And then we'll talk a little bit about where you're going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I said I mentioned I was I was hired in the middle of, of uh, last of 2022. Um, I can't, it's hard to know what year we're in all the time, but um, (laughs) so, you know, let me talk a little bit about the existing culture. When I walked in, Um, this company was founded like most startups by, you know, some genius founders um, who um, saw, saw this vision and had this purpose. And it was really a two pronged, a very intentional two pronged purpose. So they had the idea for this disintermediation and this disruption for the um, the MSP channel, like again that that path from small to mid sized businesses to the big boy providers, that was that channel is pretty messed up at that point. So they had this vision for how do we democratize access for small and mid sized businesses, which by the way, you know the the world thrives based on small healthy, healthy small and mid sized business, right? So that was clearly the vision. How do we help those businesses improve their communities by helping them thrive, right? Um, and so that was really the the technology vision part of it. The other part, very intentionally, was and we want to do it built on a cr- culture that's different, a culture that's of high trust, innovation, collaboration, right? That we really and positivity and possibility, like they were very very intentional about that from the very beginning and. I, I like to say to folks, um, you know, I've been doing this corporate thing since I was really young, um, almost 40 years. Um, and um, this is the healthiest culture I've ever been part of. And it was because of that intentional vision on the part of the founders to never lose sight of the people side. We like to say we're people first, like lots of companies like to say, this is the only company I've ever worked for that has actually operationalized it. Um, so I walked into something magic and healthy. And what I was, the conversations I was having with our CEO during my interview process was, you know, it's already healthy, but we've got to go through this startup to scale up to grown up thing. Help us not F it up, right? And that he didn't say F, right? He, it was a very clear message that we, we want to maintain what really works about this culture. We know we have to make some changes, but let's not screw it up. Um, and so, you know, that's really where we started from. Yeah, and it's, it's always interesting, too, because I think uh, when you have founder-led organizations, they have a clear vision, not only of its strategy and the business, as the business scales, they move farther and farther away from each of the people, and they have less and less direct influence. And so I think it's always a challenge to make sure that the strategy scales, but also that the culture scales as well. And it looks like um, 
you know, why don't we talk a little bit about how what your plan has been and how you've taken that uh, that journey to make sure that you can scale Pax 8's culture forward. So I'm going to share a, our next slide really quick. But before I ask you about it, I want to talk a little bit about what we're looking at. So um, you included our uh, culture renovation blueprint. Um, we've got that there. And it's basically 18 steps that help organizations uh, implement successful culture renovation process projects. But not everyone in the audience may know about it. So I just want to talk a little bit about what it is. So a few years ago, our research team decided to answer the question every CEO asks, probably your CEO is asking as well, what can we do to either keep or improve our culture as our business grows? Um, and so we put our research team, folks like Tom and our genius researchers went out and they actually did the biggest research study on culture I think that's ever been conducted. And what we found, which was really interesting, where there were 18 specific actions that distinguish high performing organizations that have successful culture uh, renovation initiatives. So these are businesses that outperform, like you said, they're growing, they're more profitable, et cetera. And they actually had successful culture efforts. And lots of organizations don't have successful culture efforts. In fact, our data shows about 15% of culture efforts are actually rated as highly successful. So this is difficult territory that you embarked on, Lori, despite all of your experience, right? So um, I know you read the research and I know you looked at the blueprint and I know you sort of, you followed a lot of steps of the blueprint. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you use the blueprint, how the research was helpful and where your journey is taking you so far? Sure. Um, so, you know, I was, uh, it was during COVID, and I was between opportunities. Um, so I just left one company, knew I was coming to PAX 8. And I actually listened to the Brene Brown interview with your CEO. Um, and he was talking about culture renovation. And the concept was so powerful to me. Um, and, um, and I didn't even know yet about where PAX 8 was, but it was just such a powerful made so much sense. And so when I came in and was given this charter to don't F it up, um, one of the first and and to a point that you just made too, Marshall, you know, by this time, we were about 1200 employees at that point. You're absolutely right. The CEO and the founders, while still intentionally wanting to build a good culture, they just they don't have the touch that they used to have. They don't have the direct interface with all of the employees like they had when they were 400 people you know, drinking beer every Thursday in an office in Den you know Denver, Colorado at a high at a startup, you know. And um, so how do you do that? Well, the one thing that you have to do is get the voice of the employees and figure out a way to get to the the voice of the employees in a way that's going to be compelling and actionable. Um, and that was sort of one of the first uh, steps in the in the renovation. So I think we are going to turn over to Janie to talk about this slide. Yes, Janie, go ahead. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how it began? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Lori. Um, so our our team in the past year has really achieved um, so much. I I look back and I'm like, wow. You know, when you're in it, it it's it's a lot to to review over it. But um, so as Kevin Oakes lays out in his book, there's three phases, and it's plan, build, and maintain. So looking at the slide, um, everything that's in green, bold green, is what we've accomplished. And I just want to highlight a few of the things that we have accomplished, um, and and then we can talk about, um, you know, what's still left to do. But 
So the first one is uh, creating and implementing a comprehensive listening strategy. So this is where I got brought into the picture. Um, Lori was like, hey, your skill set is um, great with project management. You kind of see the big picture and you, you can make the connections. Um, and so I got brought in. And uh, what we did is we just kind of put together a project plan um, to approach it because it was a very complex, um, not only were we trying to do the culture renovation phases, but we were trying to figure out like, okay, what survey do we use? What tool? All of that. So it was very complex as well as um, we took a three-prong approach. So, um, you know, we we detailed the project plan uh, to, uh, you know, to a T and then um, we were linking all of the improvements that happened in the company to our employee uh, feedback to shape our future. So every time we um, had communicated out to whether it be all hands or sending an email um, after we got the survey and any feedback that we got, we were constantly trying to loop it back to, um, hey, this is your voice that's making a future or that's helping shape our future. Um, so the next would be defining our desired behaviors. So um, I think we're at a point where we're ready to be training on that soon. Um, but there was a lot of work that went into that. And, um, you know, global wide, everybody had a, um, a hand in creating those. And that was really important to help drive the future of not only your voice, our future listening strategy, but then also, um, you know, the, the company as a whole with our culture. So then moving over to the right, um, in the middle, the build, um, communicate change is coming. So we share the culture renovation plan early and its importance with everyone through various channels, such as the company-wide email, all hands meetings, um, the video made uh, by our video production team, and the video featured our executive leaders who expressed their support and involvement. Um, it's a really great video. Um, I'm sure we'll be sharing that out with you. But it was really important to get their buy-in and to show like, hey, they're willing to, to dig in and get their hands dirty. So that was really important for us to, to highlight that. And then the last one I'll highlight under build was we also collaborated consciously Um listening to the business needs and the employee feedback and the regional perspectives to ensure there was alignment and coordination. Um, so with our STEERCO, we, we ensured that we had representation from every single region. Um, and that was really helpful to get everybody aligned and to be able to communicate effectively. So then the last one, maintain. Um, this is where we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, it, we've achieved the first step in the in that phase of making the employee onboarding about relationships, but we have a lot more work to do on underneath, as you can see. Yeah, so it's amazing. And, and just to be clear for the audience here, you did this all in a year. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Impressive. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I, you know, and I, and I will say that although you may you described as an abundance of resources, Laura, you're, you're it's not a it's not a huge team here. Right. And I will say that I've seen some of the work that they've done. This video that we're going to share is amazing. And it's not just amazing because it um, is well produced, but it's fun. It sort of captures the spirit of Pax8. As Janie mentioned, the leaders are involved in it. So I would just say, like, look to what you can do with a little bit of creativity, a little bit of fun and following these steps, you can accomplish a lot. So I'll, I'll just kind of recap a couple of the points you made, Janie, for the audience here, because I know there's a lot of stuff on the screen and you accomplished so much. And then, you know, maybe I'll ask you while I'm doing that to think about if there was one 
of the activities or initiatives that you did that was surprisingly successful or helpful, we'd love to hear sort of that as well. Because, you know, anything you learn while the process is going on is always great for the group to hear as well. But so number one, the listening strategy, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But that was really key, hearing the voice of the employees and really making them part of creating this vision for the, the future culture of Pax8 or the renovated culture of Pax8. Number two, you're a big project manager. I know that you're certified and all that sort of thing, but you had a really strong effort to track your progress, make sure people knew what you were doing and how it was impacting the work that was happening. I think that's incredibly important. I think a lot of people think that they can go off into an ivory tower, create culture work and come back and say they're done. You clearly did not do that. And I think that's a great lesson for people to learn as well. Um, we talked about communicating with the videos and then that consciously collaborating. One of the recent, one of the, um, key insights from our research is that culture efforts, you know, need to be sponsored and owned by the CEO and the CHRO, but they need to be come from the entire organization. So you need to have that sort of top down and bottoms up. And I think you did a really terrific job with that as well, with the listening and taking all of that as well. So just for the, for the audience here, obviously a lot that they've done, but those are some of the key things that I've noticed when I've been chatting with Janie and, uh, and Lori about what they've accomplished. But Janie, anything specific that came out that was really surprisingly valuable or insightful as you went through this process that's worth sharing with the audience? Um, I would say some of these steps were somewhat easy um, just because we are a self-regulating culture. So if, if you're not, you know, if you don't have the same values that we have, um, you're, you get weeded out pretty quickly. So, you know, I think ferreting out the skeptics is something that, you know, wasn't necessarily super difficult. Um, and same thing with identifying the influencers, energizers and blockers. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think with the identifying the influencers, energizers and blockers, um, it, it's very useful to have each one of those um, to have their perspectives, because if it's a blocker, then why is it a blocker? And maybe there's something that we didn't catch, um, such as there's a positivity cloak. Everybody's so happy all the time, you know? <laughs> but when we take that positivity cloak off, you know, there are actually some things that we needed to fix. And so by getting the perspective of those blockers um, and, and utilizing all three of those really in different situations is really, really helpful. And I don't know if Lori has anything to add um, that was really surprising or anything that I had. So, you know, I think you mentioned earlier that while it's run by the CEO and CHRO, um, as Janie talks about our three pronged approach, um, you know, we I know that HR typically is not we're not that well trained in voice of the customer um, focus groups and things like that. So we actually leveraged our marketing team and our client experience team to do the focus groups internally instead of HR having to own everything because they know what the, the science is behind focus group management, right? And so they know how to get the best insights from customers. Um, on the uh, executive interviews, we deferred to I4CP, right? We we're like, they're experts at this. This is part of their, sorry, I have a big fly flying around in my office. Um, but, um, you know, they, they know what they're doing here. They may get 
a perspective that me as an internal person wouldn't get. So we also, we didn't try to control everything too closely. Um, we really tried to embrace the idea of what is, what is really intentional collaboration look like? I love that. Yeah. I love, I, I, yeah, the positivity cloak is getting a lot of uh, buzz there, Janie. So that's a good one. And, and yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, it's difficult to embrace the skeptics. As I say, you know, that's like the really hardest stuff. Like, tell me what's wrong. Like, I don't want to know that. I want to know all the good stuff. So really powerful there that you did that. And, um, and Lori, I, I always joke, I have this uh, management philosophy. It's like my, you know, the, the band 38 special, they have that song, hold on loosely, but don't let go. It's sort of <laughs> a little bit of that, like, Hey, I'm still in control, but I can't do everything. Right. And I think that that's a, a really mature and powerful way to lead. And I think it, you know, it says something about you and says something about your team and the culture as well. So that's fantastic. Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Our Voice, Our Future program. So um, I know you developed this really robust learning strategy. So, Jamie, you want to talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what we did in December was we sat down as a steering committee. Um, once we kind of figured out like what we wanted to do, we needed to figure out how we were going to do it. And one thing that always stuck in my mind um from the conception of the employee experience um, listening journey that Lori ingrained in my head is we have to go slow to go fast. And that is so important. And even in everything else that I do today, um, I, you know, I'm making sure that I'm thinking about that in the background of like, what are we ultimately trying to do? What do we want people to be thinking, feeling and doing differently? And so um, with every single steer code meeting that we had and every communication that we had, we wanted to make sure that that was conveyed. So our journey really started off in December of 2022. And gosh, I can't think it, it's crazy that it's already um, over a year. But um, so we we kicked off the project with the steer co, created the project plan. We needed to understand, OK, for each of the three components, um, the employee listening survey the focus groups and the executive interviews, what needs to happen and when, um, are there any predecessors, anything like that. Um, so then in January 2023, we um, communicated to the company um, and, and that's when we really kicked off our branding. And so as you can see, that's our logo and we are actually going to be um, updating that here soon just to kind of unveil a new new um, focus and and brand for it. Um, so then after that, a lot happened in February. Um, and so this really took a lot of meticulous planning um, and making sure that everything was lining up. So we, we did our survey, our focus groups and our executive interviews. Um, and then after that March through April timeframe, we made sure that it was, um, you know, that we were transparent of the results. So previously we had done a, a NPS score internally. So we did a much more extensive employee um employee survey and we wanted to share the results it was very very high level but then after that towards the end of march is when our team came together globally um, with a few other uh, business leaders to create a what we called an action plan workshop week and so we looked at all of the data and we said you know what are the underlying things you know we have a great engagement score um, of 81% and we had great participation. Like now we got to actually do something with this data that people provided. It was a gift to us. So, um, so we reported out on that and then we came together with an action plan and just figured out like, what are the key things that we need to work on? And one of the biggest ones ultimately was process. Um, everything else kind of bubbled up to that, but you know, there was a lot within that. 
And then we just needed to be able to dive in a little bit further. So we created a double-click survey on very specific topics that we just wanted to um, better understand before we actually started doing anything with the action plan. And a lot of the information that we got back solidified what we had already thought. So after that, we reported on those post-double-click um, survey results in our all-hands. And then we took a deeper analysis and started working on the action plan with the managers and our business partners to really align and make sure that we were starting to make progress. And then after that, um, every single month, we reported on the progress. And anytime that something was um, maybe not so obvious to everybody, we had the little logo up on the top left-hand side of Your Voice, Our Future to, to tie it back of like, hey, we've made this process change. This is because you told us that this was something that needed to be fixed. So it's really important to ensure that they're understanding and not everybody always associates it back right away, but little by little, um, you know, we can kind of show them of like, hey, we are making progress. So we're in the very um, early phase of our next cycle. Um, and so that's been something that we've been planning on um, currently. Hey, Janie, a question popped up here, and maybe you or Lori, but so uh, Kelly asks, what's a double-click survey? I'm not familiar with that term. Could you talk a little bit about what that was, why you decided you needed it? Yeah, so the um, the one that we did in February was a pretty broad span of many different topics. Um, so we chose, you know, areas that we needed to be able to work um, that we saw the lowest scores on. And so, for instance, process, we wanted to ask, you know, what about process? Are they internally? Does it enable you to help your customers? Um, communication was another one. I can't remember the third one. I think it was psychological safety or something. Um, it's basically just taking those particular topics and asking more targeted questions. It's a great question. Yeah, great. And great strategy. And then uh, this could be for either of you, but I'll let you, uh, you know, dealer's choice who wants to answer. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about what you said, go slow to move fast. And, you know, this is a long process, like January to July, six months. I mean, lots of times I talk to clients, they're like, we need to get this survey done. We need to get the data out. We need to get back to business as usual, right? So talk to me about how you convinced or were able to sustain this important listening effort over this time and not lose momentum or not lose support. You know, how how'd you do that? I would say that that remains that's that's just something we have to be constantly vigilant about. Um, I wouldn't say it's been perfect, right? I think um, you know there are some folks that are like, whatever happened to that survey? you know um, and so it's it's not perfect, but it's um, you know, we do have some communication rhythms within the business that we really leverage. So instead of trying to create sort of a new uh, communication rhythm just to talk about your voice, our future, we were like, let's make sure that every monthly global all hands, we have at least one little mention, right? Um, some some months it was it was a whole presentation. Some months it was simply a, a quick slide or a, a, as we shared a, a success story that was happening somewhere in the business, we tied it back. Like Janie said, you know, we just put that logo on there and said, and remember, this is something that came up, you know, and, and because, you know, processes at PAX 8, it, which if you think about it, it fits in absolutely to this where we are in our journey right from startup when you're just throwing solutions at problems you're not thinking about how those solutions fit together you're not thinking about how the process is really going to help you scale 
And so now we're really suffering, as a lot of companies do at this level, um, because our processes don't connect and our processes don't make it easier to serve our clients. In fact, sometimes it almost feels like they get in the way. Um, and, um, you know, I'll talk a little bit about that specific to POPs when we're talking about the renovation. But, um, you know, we had to be very, again, vigilant. We had to say, okay, every all hands, we're going to do this. Hey, there's a leader call this month. How can we get in on that agenda? And what is the message that we want to send? Um, so that we we just made sure that we, you know, stayed in front of people. And luckily, again, we have a culture at PAX 8 that assumes positive intent. So some other companies I've worked at, it's like, oh, HR wants to talk about the survey again, but we already talked about it three times. You know, how many times can we talk about it? And, you know, we have a we have a culture where it's like, look, guys, people have to hear the same message eight, nine, 10 times in order to, to internalize it. And and folks were were, you know, the you know, our, our C staff gets that. Um, and so, yeah, it was but it, it takes vigilance. It takes constant attention. Yeah, well, that that's really great advice, and I, you know, I, I'm sure that many of our uh, our listeners here who've been through these sorts of engagements are always struggling with keeping um, this forefront of the agenda. You know, corporate, you know, quarterly numbers are down. We don't have time to talk about culture today, right? You know, I mean, right. that's that's the battle that we're always in when we're doing this important work. Um, exactly. But I also say, and you know, the slide that's coming up now is you did a really good job of like making this stuff interesting, exciting for people to look at. So I love this visual, you know, when I was talking earlier about uh, Kevin Oakes's book, Culture Renovation. And, you know, we had really intentionally used that model because our research showed that most organizations that successfully evolve their culture don't start from scratch and just throw it all away and start again. What they actually do is renovate. Um, and I'm sitting right now in a 120 year old house that's constantly being renovated. And I'm always trying to figure out what can I keep that's valuable and what can I change that, uh, um, you know, I can improve the value and still not lose the flavor of our, our beautiful old house. So talk to me about the, uh, you know, this visual, how you use this to communicate your journey, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, um, this was, again, very intentional. And Kevin Oak's book is what planted the seed. Um, we It was not going to fly at PAX 8 to talk about we need to do a culture change or we need to do a culture transformation. It just wasn't going to fly because, again, we have a healthy culture. Um, and so the the analogy and, you know, more than one conversation with our CEO and other members of our C staff about this, the analogy to use uh, renovation, um, you know, you just have to get people kind of talking and thinking about it. Why do we re renovate in our personal lives? Like you just said, you're in a 120 year old uh, house there. We renovate because we love where we live, right? This place has good bones. Yep. Um, we love it. Um, but we want to modernize. We want to bring it up to date. We want, you know, we want, we want safe and current plumbing and we want, you know, all those things. Um, and we also want it to be kind of snazzy. We want to, um, we want to feel good when we get up and walk through it. Right. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you think about that, um, in those terms, that can be really digestible and palatable for folks. And so we very intentionally decided to use the analogy and to talk about it. So we, you know, we are blessed here at PAX 8 with a great um, production and creative studio. Um, and so I was able to have our, our internal comms folks, um, you know, work on, on this schematic for us. And we've continued to use it. We've been using it for about a year um, and, uh, you know, when you think about we've expanded the PAX 8 footprint, now we're global. You have to dig a bigger foundation to do that. 
right? Mm -hmm. You have to add things to your foundation to do that. You might have some cracks in the old foundation, right? So how do you, what are, how do you fortify that? So we've been using the, you know, a lot of those analogies pretty, pretty intentionally. If you click again on this image, it should go to, yeah. So as we talked about, um, uh, so I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we had a strategic business review with the top 80 or so leaders and how we talked about what POPs accomplished in 2023 and then what we intend to accomplish in 2024. We actually used this analogy. Um, and so as Janie mentioned, we created the PAX 8 behaviors and, and those are in draft form right now. We haven't rolled them out because we still want to socialize and get input because they were mostly developed by that group of executives. And so now we're in the process of really pressure testing them before we roll them out, but they have been, the they're in draft form. Um, and, um, you know, we launched some new tools across the business. You can see some of those here. Um, and, um, you know, we, we removed quarterly reviews and replaced it with career conversations. So that's a very specific renovation that we did. Um, and we, um, you know, we brought in some, again, some new tools. Um, we, did some foundational training um, on the company. So again, I mean, that's kind of how we've used this. Yeah, it's great. And then, um, yeah, Tom just called out too. And if you see on the bottom, the culture, they've got those uh, those those core values, you know, advocate, innovate, celebrate, elevate, again, tying into that whole Pax8 name as well. Um, I know we're, uh, we're getting close to time, so I want to make sure that we quickly move ahead. But yeah, I want to give you a chance to share some of your big wins um, that you're celebrating now. Yeah, so I would say definitely utilizing project management framework was crucial for the success of this because it was so complex. Um, so I think that that was a huge win to to show that POPs is, you know, we know what we're doing. We're not letting things fall through the cracks. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of different things going on within the, the organization in general. So to keep us on track, that was really helpful. And then um, having global representation, um, just to make sure that, you know, how is this, the survey or how is this focus group going to land? What's, you know, are there any um, words that we need, need to use differently, et cetera? So having that was important. And then strong involvement and backing from the leaders. I think that is like from the start is so important because if you try to do something and then they don't support it, it just makes it way more complicated. So those are just a few things. We had many wins, but I want to make sure that we have enough time to get through the other two slides. Fantastic. Anything else you want to add to that, Lori, before we uh, move on? One of our founders in particular was was our chief executive sponsor, if you will, um, of this of this. And he is the heart of Pax8. I mean, he is beloved at this company. And um, so he often would do some of the speaking for us in the all hands meetings. Right. So it, it wasn't again, it wasn't coming from HR. Um, it was coming from um, a very respected and revered leader in the business. Lori, can I ask you a question about that? Because one of the challenges I often find and um, is that I think that folks here on this call in HR, we're really comfortable talking about culture. Um, you know, we've learned about it. We've read lots of books and your average executive leader, you know, they probably have an MBA, economics, business background, et cetera. They sometimes feel a little bit less comfortable talking about culture using that language. Um, did you need to do any coaching or did you need to do any education or was this just sort of his or her natural state and they were really comfortable with it? I think, I think mostly it's the second. I mean, he's just a, an amazing human being. Um, and, uh, but usually there was a meeting before the meeting, right? 
um, where I wasn't necessarily writing out talking points, but kind of saying, hey, you know, these are the these are the key themes. These are the messages we want to make sure people understand. And he's the kind of guy that would take notes and, you know, then speak from his heart. Um, and so I think it was a little bit of both. Um, but, you know, as I said earlier, I mean, we are blessed to have founders that actually started this place with a very clear human centered purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Um, yeah. And I, and obviously picking someone who's comfortable doing that versus forcing someone who's not, you know, and I've, and I actually have seen some leaders really take on, you know, there was a one, one client I worked with who were the COO or no, not, excuse me, the CFO was put in charge of the culture work as the executive sponsor. And she saw it as an opportunity to develop and grow. So I think it's really, you know, we always talk about the executive sponsor and the leadership being really important there. So I think there's that combination of getting the right person, but also, like you said, educating them as well. So um, that's fantastic. Let's let's take a look then. So let's talk about what's next. So um, so yeah. So right now, you're uh, you're we've. Uh, is this the same slide that we went through earlier, Tom? Anything did we miss this one before, or um, anything we want to talk about here now? Yeah, I think if we could have Lori and Janie just chime in on on both where they are now and then and then talk about what's what's coming up next. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, so we really um, see that 2023 was just phase one. We're getting our wheels under us. One of the things that we really want to do a, a better job of um, as we go into the 2024 cycle is engage our managers earlier in the actual results and data. Um, I think we really wanted to... Um, to, to get a feel for it ourselves. And, and I, we probably hung on a little too tightly. We weren't, uh, we weren't hanging on as loosely as we could have <laughs> um, to the data. And so this time we're really setting up the system so that at, you know, when, when the data is available, we're going to put it into the hands of managers way sooner. Mm. Um, so that was a learning. That's something that we're going to be working on. Um, and um you know, I think I think continuing, you know, Janie said we're going to update the brand to stay in the same. Your voice is our future is staying the same. We are going to update the logo to make it um, just be a little bit more um, alive to make it to give it that more of a feel of that back and forth and the the uh, the loop, the this communication loop that we're trying to create. Um, and and with that, really try to make sure that the company understands it's not just a survey. This is the way we do business at Pax8. We listen to you. You help drive our future. Like it's it's not just the survey. It's not just something that's happening um, from the HR team. So um, those are some of the the big uh, goals for 24. Yeah it's, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the logo, but yeah, the logo, the way it is now is very much about like, you know, hey, we want to hear, we, we want to hear you talk. Um, now you're making it into a full-on business process. You talk, exactly. we hear, we fix, you see what we fix, you know, and it's just this constant cycle. And I think that fundamentally is, you know, you know, we start at the beginning. How can your culture scale? I think you've got the answer right there. The culture scales by us having this business process where we're constantly listening and constantly figuring out which part of our house do we need to spruce up? What's not working? Is the stove broken? Does the kitchen need to be updated? What is it? Tell us and we'll That's go fix it. I love that. Yeah. So go ahead. Talk to a little bit more in regard yeah, to that. So this is, I, I already jumped into this, but um, we are, um, you know, again, we're, we're really going to double down on this idea of this is a, a virtuous cycle um, and uh, you're all, everybody's part of it. Everybody has a voice that we want to hear and that will be built in. And again, you know, part of that is that that vigilance I already mentioned of 
making sure we are connecting back changes that happen in the organization, improvements that happen in the organization back to the voice of, of our, of our employees. Fantastic. Anything you want to add to that, Janie? No, I think she said it very well. <laughs> All right. Um, there was one question and you touched on a little bit, Lori, and this was back. I wasn't sure where to fit it in, but since we have a little bit of time, I want to ta tackle it. Someone mentioned, we were talking about the behaviors um, and it says that you, you're you in draft form right now, you mentioned, and you're going to be sort of circulating. But I think the question, if I recall, was how did you sort of manage the difference between the behaviors that senior leadership says is important and what the rest of the organization believes the right behaviors are? Have you negotiated that? Have you thought about how you're going to sort of walk that tightrope? So, you know, one of the things um, that we did as we um, teed up the first working session with our executive staff on the behaviors was we brought in Your Voice, Our Future. We brought in the, the voice of employees as we were beginning that um, and then tied it also to the strategy and where the company's going, this whole idea of mm -hmm. startup to scale up to grow up, right? Um, and um, so we sort of started with a, bi a, a pretty in-your-face reminder about some of that. Um, and, uh, and a lot of our e-staff, frankly, have, have grown up here. Um, you know, I like to say that, you know, close to 90% of our leaders are in the biggest job and the biggest company of their career. Um, and so to some extent, I feel like our e-staff is still pretty connected um, but we don't want to take that for granted, right? So as I mentioned, they're, they're in draft form at that level. We're now in the process of socializing across the company um, to make sure we get that more grassroots. So it's a bottom up as well as a top down. Um, and then our intention is using some of that bottom up feedback. It's that's how we'll frame it in the individual behavior. You know, we're going to do some individual behavior education uh, packages, if you will. Um, to really help us figure out how to internalize and codify those at Pax8. Yeah, and then the benefit is too, it's going to have your logo that says this came from listening, et cetera. So if they're already bought into that whole process, um, that'd be great. Oh, yeah. So people are definitely want, going to want to see that video. We will try to share it when we can. Um, and uh, I think there'll definitely be a reveal at the conference as well. So I think we're definitely showing it there. So if you're going to be at the conference, that'll be a chance to see it. But uh, please check back. We'll make sure we do that. And then I guess one final question, since you all are such a progressive, uh, you know, uh, thoughtful team, what's you know, even outside of culture, what's on your agenda in terms of big, important trends or ideas that you're trying to implement in your HR organization uh, or in the coming years? So we really, um, this is, we feel like we're in pretty good shape this year because we're going into 2024 with um, a more targeted set of big four priorities. Um, and these are really kind of attached to the overarching Pax8 strategic umbrella of people, pro product, and profit. Um, and so we're working on two more foundational POPs things and then two very foundational PAX8 things. Um, the two POPs things are really a renovation of our team, like within POPs. You know, we have this pretty large global team. How do we make sure we're all operating in, in, in the best alignment we possibly can? Um, how do we position ourselves to have an operating model for this future where we're supporting 5,000 more or more employees? and not getting any bigger ourselves, right? So that takes some, some thought. Connected to that is, I am very happy to say, although I can't uh, announce the, the tool, we just signed uh, for a global human capital management system. We're gonna replace our very disparate 
We have 42 disparate systems <laughs> that we use um, across the globe for, um, for, for HR systems. Um, and we're going to really be rationalizing that with one global uh, tool that we're kicking off right away. We hope to do payroll in the new tool um, January 1 of 2025. So we've got a pretty aggressive um, implementation calendar, but we're really excited. Um, and then um, so those are the more pe people ops foundational pieces. And then the two pieces for PAX 8 are really managerial competence and confidence. How do we help these 90% of leaders who are in the biggest job in the biggest company just understand what it means to be a manager and give them some of those foundational tools while we continue to develop our executives, but really getting down to that foundation. Um, and then the other foundational thing is a job architecture. We mm. are very inequitable across the globe today. And so skills-based job architecture is our other big four. Awesome. Well, yeah, those are, those are great. I will, uh, I'm going to wrap it there. Lori, Janie, thank you so much. You've been wonderful. I love this journey. Thank you for sharing everything you did with our audience. It's been terrific. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Happy to be here. And thank you, Marshall. Great job uh, facilitating the conversation today. I also want to extend my thanks to Lori and Janie. Uh, shared a lot of uh, great information about your culture journey and otherwise about PAX 8. Um, I know everyone got a lot and we had some good engagement from folks in the chat. I um, want to remind folks that our next practice weekly sessions are available for recertification credit hours. So if you're an HR professional with a cert from either HRCI or SHRM, just jot down the relevant program ID or activity ID and you can get your recertification credit hour for being with us today. I uh, want to remind folks also, we've mentioned the culture renovation book. We mentioned earlier advisory services available to both members and non-members. Um, we've got uh, a lot of other things available for uh, I4CP members related to our culture research, including a, a more recent study on differentiating what healthy cultures look like versus toxic cultures. A lot of great stuff. You can go out to culturerenovation.com or otherwise just peruse the I4CP website and see what is there uh, publicly available. And then lastly, I'll just plug uh, in my last 30 seconds or so, our next Practice is Now conference that we've mentioned a couple times on the call today. That's coming up soon now, March 25th through the 28th, Scottsdale, Arizona at the Fairmont Princess, as we always hold it. You see here the lineup of outstanding speakers. This is a conference unlike any other. There's no vendors. There's no trade show, no consultants at this. It's just all high-level HR leaders, your peers, talking strategy with each other. Um, you see we've got some CEOs on the lineup, um, some, some university professors, book authors, thought leaders, and as well as HR leaders across all functional areas. So uh, still time to sign up. There's no cap on, on registrations, but I do encourage you to sign up soon if you're thinking of going or bringing your team because uh, the rooms at the Fairmont are filling up fast. So with that, uh, we're going to close things out. Thanks once again to you, Marshall. Great conversation. And thank you so much, Lori and Janie. Really was outstanding. Hope to see everyone back again next week when we'll have another great guest. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I encourage you to join us live for these discussions each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time, so that you can ask questions of our guests and co-hosts and participate in the conversation. Just go to i4cp.com forward slash events to register. We hope you'll keep tuning in as I4CP brings you more great HR executives to discuss how high-performance organizations are leveraging best and next practices in HR. Thank you, and we hope you have a great and productive week ahead.